0: everyone is looking for purpose for a life that matters and we want to be a church that helps people find that this is the collective church podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in london ontario here's this past week's message from our pastor tyler from Good morning, welcome to Collective. If we've never met before, my name is Tyler and I am one of the lead pastors alongside of my wife, Lee. We're glad that you are with us. Um, We have a bit of a disagreement in our house. Um, I look around outside and it being in January and there being no snow and I'm happy. Lee, on the other hand, she's like, it's too gray, I want some snow. So let me just, just as a poll, who in here is like, I really want snow? Okay, you really want snow? For everyone that's right, put up your hand next. If you don't want snow, thank you, thank you. I see your hands. <laughs> there, there also is a part that it's like, I'm, I tow the trailer uh, to our house, and when it's not snowy, it's significantly less stressful as in, in comparison as when I'm jackknifing the truck and trailer trying to back it up. If I didn't have to pull anything, maybe I'd feel different. Probably not, but, but I am glad. I mean, it's January. We were out yesterday as a family, and we weren't even wearing coats. I was like, this is awesome. It's awesome. We're glad that you're with us as we head into 2023. One of the things that we want to do as a church is we want to align our focus as we head into this new year together. And one of the ways that we do that as a church is through our values. So collective church, we have six values, and those values help align us on what matters, who we are, and who we want to become. And we want to spend some time working through values, but I want to just let you know why they matter. They matter to us as a church because they guide us, but we believe that these values aren't just valuable for us as a church, but actually could help you in your life. That if you want to serve Jesus with your whole life, if you integrate these values, it will help you on that journey. We have these six values, six guiding principles, and over the next four weeks, I'm gonna unpack all of them. Today, I want to unpack Growth, but before I do, let me just outline what the values are. They are growth, passion, presence, urgency, humility, and focus. And for some of us in the room that have been around for a length of time or listened to me, you might hear some of this and go, this seems like a bit of a refresher. For others of us, you go, I didn't know this about collective, and so it's new information. The significance of values is when we teach them live them, model them, and reinforce them over time. And so we want to remind ourselves why these matters, teach on why they matter, model them as a community, and reinforce them continually. And so today, as we talk about growth, I wanna start off by reading our value of growth, how we have it written. And if you're ever wondering about more details on our values, you can find them on our website. And and so growth, we say it like this, we will not stay the same. In all areas of our lives, we wanna be marked by the way of Jesus rather than the ways of the world. This means we are being counterformed as apprentices of Jesus. We love each other enough to have difficult conversations with each other as we commit to grow. That is our value of growth. I wanna define a few things, and I wanna look at some scripture that I think is really helpful. First, I wanna define way of Jesus. We say in the value that we want to be marked in all areas of our life by the way of Jesus, not the way of the world. Now, you might not have heard that language before, the way of Jesus. If you look in Acts, you don't find the church being called the Christian church you actually hear it being called the way. And it's a really interesting language shift because it's not just about being a Jesus church. Instead, it's a way of life that uses Jesus as our center point, Jesus who informs the way that we live. And in contrast to the way of the world, we have all sorts of things around us that are defining for us what it means to live a good life, And Jesus and his kingdom stand in opposition to much of that. And so the way of Jesus is significant. Now notice even the language, the way of Jesus is an invitation. It's not just saying one time I believed in Jesus, but instead I'm going to live in the way of Jesus in all areas of my life. The other word, the other thing that I want to define is that we are being counterformed. Now, in the same way that we contrast the way of Jesus with the way of the world, I want us to contrast the way that we are being formed with the way that Jesus wants to form us, shape us. If you're like the average person, you spend a lot of time taking in information. It might be social media, it might be news, it might be watching things, binging, all sorts of things. And all these messages are forming us and they're shaping us and they're changing the way that we think. Like even, for example, our our attention span has shifted. It hasn't just shifted because, I don't know, global warming. It's shifted because we have taken in information at such a repeated pace that suddenly we go more and more, quicker, quicker, fast, fast, fast. Now think about what that does to us as human beings. I said in a previous series that one of the most impactful thing that we can do as families is to have constant family and consistent family dinners, to have time where we spend time, but, but in this disconnect and tension of quick, fast, 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 what does it look like for us to be present with each other, which is one of our values, And so for us to think about the ways that we are being counterformed, to think how does Jesus want me to be formed and how is what I'm doing through the week actually working in opposition to that? How do I pay attention to how God wants to counterform me? Now, part of the language of that is that we're being formed and I would suggest that some of the things that we're listening to are actually deforming our hearts and our souls And Jesus' invitation is to bring healing and hope and restoration and counterforming us into his image. And the other language, we are being counterformed as apprentices of Jesus. And maybe you've heard that language and maybe you haven't, but I think it's really helpful. If we think about the way of Jesus, we have to understand that Jesus' way of life was inviting 12 people, 72 people, a group of people to actually follow him. Jesus was a teacher, he was a rabbi, who didn't just invite people to come and listen to him and then go, oh, that was nice. Instead, he invited them to apprentice under him. Jesus is the master. He is a master leader. He is a master in relating to God, understanding his identity, and a master teacher, and so we apprentice under him. Now, any of us, that are, any of the people in the room that are in trades, you understand the idea of apprenticeship. You're shadowing, learning, doing with someone along the way. And so there's someone that has skills and tools and a way of life that you want to replicate. And so you don't just go, I don't know, I'll figure it out on the go. They they actually bring you alongside. And then there's information you need to know, you need to know, and then you need to practice it and, and develop it because there are better ways of doing things. And so for us to understand that we are apprentices to Jesus is a significant heart posture that we apprentice under Jesus, And so this value of growth is so central and significant, not just to us as a church, but I would suggest to us as people who are trying to apprentice in the way of Jesus, that are trying to be shaped and formed in the image of Jesus for the sake of the world. There are many verses, many, many, many verses in the Bible that speak to growth. I wanna look at three. And I wanna look at three different perspectives. Jesus... Paul, and Peter. I want to start with Jesus because I always think that's a good place to start. I want us to look at what's called the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus gives the Great Commission. He, he's commissioning his disciples and, by extension, us and giving us marching orders for what it means to actually live in his way of life. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Okay, so we're told here, therefore, verse 19, therefore, go and make disciples. Now that in itself is a full Sermon. That is a significant reminder for us to go and make disciples. We are invited to go and make disciples and baptize them. And I think for many of us that have been in the church, we've heard that, okay, we need to make disciples. And many of us have maybe stopped at the go part. Like, I know I need to make them, but I'm not going to go out of my comfort zone because I kind of like it here. Some of us, we go, I'm willing to go, but how do I make something? I'm not sure I'm one. And go and make disciples who baptize. This is significant. But I want to point out this next verse and how much I think we've missed it. Jesus drops this line that so many of us skip over in verse 20 where he says, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. This is the invitation for us. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Now, it's important that we understand that that actually being a disciple or an apprentice of Jesus is not just about one day, one time, making a commitment to follow Jesus and then stopping. It doesn't mean that I made that decision one time, I prayed that prayer one time, but it never really translated to actually changing my life. Instead, a disciple or an apprentice makes continued commitment to follow what Jesus says, to obey his commands. And not just some of his commands, all of his commands. The invitation for an apprentice, for a disciple, is to obey all of Jesus's commands, and Jesus does not say to us as the church, make a bunch of converts or make a bunch of churchgoers or cultural Christians that say they're Christians but don't live any differently. Instead, he invites us to make discipleship. Discipleship is essential. Apprenticeship is essential. And one of the ways that we framed it that John Mark Homer shares is he looks at three areas. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did. Now, sometimes in the church, we start with the doing what he did, and and we need to make sure we're being with Jesus, that we're being formed to become like Jesus, and that we are doing what he did. And so when Jesus is saying, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, part of our responsibility for those of us that call ourselves followers of the way of Jesus, those of us that have surrendered our life, is not just to obey his commands, but actually to help other people to obey his commands, to be people that obey what Jesus is saying and then invite others to do the same. And I was thinking so much about this model, this, this invitation of obedience. And because Lee and I have little kids, we have a four-year-old and a six-year-old, almost, almost seven, seven on Tuesday. We have little kids. This idea of obedience is pretty clear to us. Because when we talk to our kids and we say, hey, Ava and Parker, please, Do not play with knives. Playing with knives is harmful, it will hurt you, it will cut you, cut each other. Success for us is not coming into the kitchen and finding our kids juggling knives and repeating what we said verbatim. It's not if we come in and they go, dad said knives are bad, dad said knives will hurt, and they're playing with knives. Right, we look at that and go, that's not obedience. And yet, if you think about us in the context of church and following Jesus, that's how some of us live. I know what he says. I can quote it perfectly. I just don't do any of it. That is not success. That is not his invitation here. His invitation is, yes, you should know my commands, absolutely, and then do them. And for some of us, we go, yeah, It's a a good concept. It's not a concept. It's an applied, lived-out, practical thing. And so for us to go, okay, I am responsible for being someone who is obedient and then teaching others to do the same, helping us to be someone that actually wants to be apprenticed by Jesus and then inviting others to be apprenticed. So if Jesus is saying, teach these new disciples to do everything that I've told you, obey me and all my commands... How come it doesn't happen? How come we don't always see that? Well, let me just tell you, on one hand, part of it has been a reaction where we've seen certain Christians that are just harsh and aggressive and unloving and condemning, and so they go, you, you better stop, you better, and you're like, okay, I'm going to never listen to you. And we've watched how they've created damage and wreckage because they have not lived and operated out of a place and posture of love and care for that person. They've operated from this place of, you better smarten up or else you're not good enough, you don't belong, and I won't, whatever. We've seen that reality. Some of us have experienced that. Certain Christians are like, wow, so um, I've read about Jesus and you don't reflect him at all. There's fine grace and truth, but where's that grace and what does it look like to actually have compassion for someone? And so we've seen some of that and it has become difficult. And then on the other side of that same coin, the challenge has been that as Christians, we've tried to act and expect people that aren't Christians to live like us. And we don't have any permission to do that. In fact, Paul tells us not to do that. We don't get to look at someone who has not surrendered their life to Jesus and expect for them to live like Jesus. And so we have this expectation of certain people or we've seen it and you go, no, we were never intended to put that expectation. But the problem is we've gone the other way where we're like, you know what? You do you. That's like the cultural axiom of the day. You do you. Here's the problem with that. Where does Jesus say that? Because I'm looking at it, if you're seeing that scripture with me, and he's saying, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And you go, I don't see permission to just kind of let other Christians just, well, hopefully you figure that one out. Hopefully you sort that one out. In fact, what I see is instead this invitation and modeling something different. And the reality for us is that there are people in our lives that, if they share things with us, we put the walls up. There are some people that have earned that. Over time, they have they have betrayed trust or they've created some damage, and so we go, you know what? I don't really want to listen. But the challenge becomes: Do you have anyone in your life that you will? Do you have anyone in your life that cares about you, loves Jesus, and wants to see you thrive, and will you listen to them? Because for so many of us, we're like, well, I had this one person say this really judgmental thing, and so, you know what, I'm just, it's my personal relationship with Jesus. Wait, hold on. Where do we get that from? There is a personal relationship with Jesus meant to be played out in the context of community, where each other, all of us help each other. And so we want to ensure, do I have people in my life that I'm willing to actually let speak into my life? I'm not suggesting that you even need to take it so seriously and go, okay, Jesus says, teach new disciples, obey all commands I've given you. And you just start going to strangers in the church. Hey, he said, you better. And they're like, who are you? I've never, we've never, I'm not suggesting that. But I I am suggesting that we begin to build relationships with each other so that we can have those conversations. And I think one of the things that I often will say is about us having relational equity Relational equity is us building trust with someone to be able to say something that's difficult. And, and the challenge with that that I've seen is people will use it as an excuse. Well, I don't think I have enough relational equity to say anything. And you go, well, that's your problem. Like you, because you just have went, well, I don't, I think you need to step into some of that. There's this tension and there's a, a fine and delicate balance, but we do not get to excuse ourselves from this invitation and command that Jesus is Giving. And let me just tell you that these conversations that we have with someone where we're helping to teach them to obey all that Jesus has says, uh, it will inevitably lead to a fork in the road because we'll see people's responses. Now, sometimes we do it poorly and we take that and we go, I did that poorly. Sometimes we do it perfectly, but no matter what, there's still an invitation to respond. Do I want to grow? Do I wanna wrestle with this and actually see if I need to integrate it or do I wanna keep doing whatever I feel like doing? Am I willing to grow? Am I willing to learn? Am I willing to take what that person says and then look at scripture and go, does it say that and is that true? Am I willing to take what they say and go to God going, is that true about me? Am I willing to take what they say and bring it to someone who loves me and loves Jesus and ask, is that true? Am I willing to actually look at my life and make a change? that when we have these conversations and oftentimes the reason we avoid them is because it does expose whether we're willing to grow or not. And it is not an enjoyable thing when you see something in someone and then they go, I'm not going to listen to what you say. But our responsibility is not their response, our responsibility is to do the right thing as Jesus asks us to. And so we're invited to help others to obey what he is saying. And I do wanna let you know because this is certainly a value and I wanna be upfront, we, we want you to grow. We want to be a community that grows. And if you want to grow, you will grow here. And if you do not want to grow, you will experience some tension. There will be moments in your life that you go, oh, I really don't want to deal with that. And the truth is, as a community, we want to help you to deal with that. We don't wanna avoid things. We don't wanna have areas where you go, I'm gonna hide that, because that is never a recipe for success. It is a recipe for disaster. If you wanna grow, we want to help you grow. But we do not want to be a community of control and coercion. We're not trying to control you. You better do this or else we won't like you, love you, We're not trying to coerce you. We're not trying to be sneaky with you and get you to do what we want you to do. But instead, we want to model a life of example and invitation. We want to be people who are following Jesus and increasingly reflecting him, being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus and doing what he did, and then inviting others to do the same. We want to be people that are growing into the image of Jesus and then invite others into that same growth. Example, and invitation. And as Jesus followers, it's so important for us to understand that it is not just about my personal relationship with Jesus. It's also about my relationship with others. Am I helping them to follow Jesus? Am I walking in community to actually follow Jesus? Jesus, we are tasked, command by Jesus himself to go and make disciples and baptize them and to teach these new disciples to obey all of Jesus' commands. We grow and we help others to grow. Colossians 3, verse 16, Paul is writing to the church and, and he says this, let the message about Christ In all its richness, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Now notice even this line at the very beginning, fill your lives. Let the message about Christ fill your lives. This is why we say in our value that we will not stay the same. In all areas of our lives, we wanna be marked by the way of Jesus rather than the ways of the world. Let the message of Jesus fill your lives. Lee and I went to go see Avatar this week. Shout out to Brit for watching our kids so we could sit through the three-hour movie and spend time together. And, and it, was, it was amazing, but Lee and I made a bold choice. As we are getting closer and closer to 40 we went up to the concession stand, and I ordered two large iced teas, and, and I was thinking, okay, three-hour movie, exactly, could be, could be dicey, but when we went up, there was something very specific that I asked for. I specifically said, can I have two large iced teas, no ice? Anyone else in here, no, a no ice person? Anyone? Yeah, no ice. Okay. I want every bit of that iced tea. When it's $7, I want all of it. And what do I know? I know if ice is in it, I fill that cup with something that is lesser, and I lose out on the thing that I really want. Now, think about that in our own life. How often do we fill stuff in our lives and our cup? And then sprinkle a little Jesus on at the end. And go, well, you know, i got a lot going on and my life is really... And you go, yeah, because yeah, your order of operations was out. And we would not look at a cup that we were given at the movie theater that was uh, an eighth full or a quarter full or a half full and go, wow, look at this full cup. Right? If someone handed us a cup, it's very clear to us. You're like, this is not full. This is a half cup. So you better charge me for half of it, and for so many of us in our lives, honestly we've settled for a one eighth one quarter and one half full faith. we've filled up with all sorts of stuff, and we've gone out a little Jesus at the end I'll show up on Sunday, but it's not going to really impact me how I live through the week and and I know I'm supposed to pray, but I'm really only going to pray when I need something and And I'm not going to actually spend time abiding, being with God the Father and and growing. I know that the Bible can transform me, but I'm only going to read it when someone else uh, reads it to me. And we settle for a lesser faith. This is not the invitation that we have. Paul is giving us this invitation to let the message of Jesus fill our lives And Paul doesn't just say, hey, let the message fill your lives. He's saying, let the rich message fill your life. This is the good stuff. This is the best stuff. And so the invitation that Paul gives us is to let the best stuff actually fill your lives. Let me just remind you, Jesus does not want part of you. He wants all of you. That when Jesus gave his life for you, died on that cross for you, he gave everything of himself so that you could be restored and reconciled to God the Father. He wants all of you. This is why the language he uses is, uh, die to yourself. Can you half die? Not for long. Right? Half dying is not dying. Dying? Dying. Dying. And so we give all of our lives and we surrender it to Jesus and his rich message fills our life. Jesus comes to give you a complete new life. And this passage, let the message of Christ in all its richness fill your lives, is so significant. But notice what comes next. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Now, I want you to think about teaching for a moment. Someone who is a teacher is someone who understands a concept, seeks to understand a concept, and then take that concept, even if it's complex, and figure out a way to make it simple and accessible enough to teach others the concept, okay? So we think about, we've been around great teachers and not-so-great teachers. Not-so-great teachers you spend time with, and at the end, you're like, I... I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Now, sometimes that's our fault. I'll admit that, like me in physics in high school, it was not the, te- well, it was half the teacher's fault, but it was also definitely my fault. But then there are other teachers that then they unpack stuff, and you go, I've never seen that before, that makes so much sense to me. That Yes, some of my best teachers, favorite teachers, were people that would take complex complex themes or or ideas, and they would understand them first and then teach them to others. Now, think about that in our own lives. It means that we must understand Jesus, scripture, doctrine. We must understand that and teach others. And this is not, um, hey, some of you should teach others. It's just saying, teach and counsel each other, each other. It's so all of us. Now, think about counseling. So teaching is understanding concepts, understanding the truth, and then, and then sharing it with other people. Counseling. What is counseling? Well, counseling in a, a significant way is taking the truth that we understand and actually figuring out how do we apply it in our lives. It means actually taking what we know to be true, deconstructing some of the things that are in our life that are causing damage, and then living out of what is True, when you go to a counselor, what do you do? You talk through things to discover, oh, I'm thinking, believing, wrestling with. There's something behind that. You actually go through the deep work of of investigating and discovering and experiencing healing. Now think about it in the context of church. We teach and then we counsel. We help people to navigate life situations through the way of Jesus, we help people to understand their pain and brokenness and, and, and depravity through the lens of Jesus. We help them to understand their condition through the words of Scripture that we teach and counsel each other. The invitation is not that I would teach and counsel everyone or that Lee would teach and counsel. The invitation is that we would teach and counsel each other. And the reminder here, if, if we understand this, to teach and counsel each other, is that the goal, unlike what we hear in 2023, is the goal is not to become the best version of yourself. The goal is not to go, if I could just be my best self. The goal is to be like Jesus and help other, people's, other people to do the same. The invitation here to teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. As we're growing, we're helping other people to grow. As we're discovering the richness of the message of Jesus, we are inviting others to come with us. If we're teaching about, just as a note, if we're teaching about the message of Jesus, let me just speak against a lie that I think some of us believe. We go, if I can understand all of it, every single part of it, then I'm ready to teach. That's not how that works. We teach on the job. As this is what I think is so significant, and if you want to be around someone that models this, Britt is a great example. As she's learning things, she's teaching other people, here's what I'm learning. It's a great posture to have. When you go, I feel like God's saying this, or I'm learning this about Jesus, just share that. Teach those things, and then help other people to integrate it into their lives as you are doing The same. As we are discovering the richness of Jesus, filling our life with his message, we invite others to do the same, to come with us. We are disciples who make other disciples. We are apprentices who develop other apprentices under the master apprentice, or the master, his name is Jesus. And our heart as a church is for all of us to grow to become more and more like Jesus. We want to teach and counsel each other, but we don't just teach and counsel each other with whatever. We teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. He, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, all the wisdom that we are given divinely, it's not our wisdom. And I think we get it wrong. We go, I think, and I feel, and I, and you go, no, 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 no. This is why we we go back to The Bible, we go, what is he saying, and how do we best interpret and understand? It's not trying to hide from us. Instead, it's pretty clear in there, and so to actually do that together. In order to teach and counsel each other and do it with all the wisdom that he gives, we better have his wisdom. We better actually understand what the Bible says. We better actually understand about the characteristics of of God Of Jesus. We better actually understand who he is and what he's inviting us into. We better actually know what the Bible says. It means that we need to take seriously our pursuit of actually engaging with Scripture. Now, notice what Peter says in 2 Peter 3:16-18. So we looked at Jesus, we looked at Paul, and now we have Peter who's writing of Paul. And in 2 Peter 3, verse 16. Peter says, speaking of these things in all of his letters. Now, he's referencing Paul in all of his letters. And if you're not familiar, Paul planted a whole bunch of churches and then wrote letters to them as he was trying to lead them forward. And so the letters that we have, like the letter that we have to Colossians is the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. And there's other ones. In 1 and 2 Corinthians, it's letters that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And so we're reading these letters. And so Peter says, speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his com- comments are hard to understand. I don't know if you can relate to that. Like some of what you read, when you read Paul or read the Bible, you're like, this is hard to understand. And then he says, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this will, dis- re- will result in their destruction. Now notice, there's this habit and pattern for people that are ignorant, so they don't know, and unstable, not anchored in who Jesus is, to twist the words of Paul, to twist the letters of Paul, and, Peter says, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. There is this tendency, and I want to let you know, that's happening a tonne. That there are a ton of people that go, well, does it really say this? Except there are thousands of years of church history, learned people that are brilliant that go, yes, that's what it says. And you go, I know, but it's 2023, and I've changed my mind on a couple things. Well, God has not. And so there's this reminder that there's this tendency to twist Scripture. This is why, as a community, we must actually know Scripture, we must actually know what it says. We must know what God actually says. We must learn from others who have gone before. We must be willing to always look at this and go, am I reading this through my lens or through God's lens? Am I seeing clearly or am I looking at, looking at it from a different perspective? Because the reality is that there's a human tendency to twist scripture to say what we want it to say rather than what it does. Because there are things that are difficult. I could give you a long list of them there are things that you go, oh, I wish it didn't say that because that costs me. And you go, yeah, that's the point. Because God is not trying to get us to understand him and, and fully go, I understand every single part of why you say it. Sometimes he's just asking us to trust and obey him. And sometimes he's saying, listen, your ways are not my ways. What you think will lead to flourishing will not actually lead to flourishing. What you hope for giving you the best life and success and happiness, it will kill you. And you go, yeah, but I think I know better. You don't. You don't know better than God, just as an aside. And there are things that, that as I study in Scripture that are difficult, the more I study, honestly, the clearer they get. And the more I go, um, it just seems like it says this and this is what we need to do. And, and for us to, to, to ensure that we are doing that, I, I do want to let you know that the way of Jesus and his view of money, sexuality, and power is in direct opposition to the world. And so you can pick the one that offends you the most, but the truth is that they're, they're all different because Jesus did not come to give us an option. He gave us, come to give us a new way of life, and so we, we look at these things that are difficult and we're not given permission to just, just push them aside and go, that doesn't count for me. Instead, we are invited to wrestle in community with what do I do with that? And how do I integrate his words into my life and his way into my life? What does it look like for me to take his words seriously as I follow his way of life? And Peter's really honest with the consequences of not doing that. And I think there are people that are absolutely doing that right now where they're twisting scripture and they're trying to say something and, and at a very quick point, you realize they're, they're not standing on the authority of scripture. They're just trying to make it say what they want. And Peter says, if, if you do that, if you twist scripture, that when you live like that, it will result in destruction. And I've seen it. I have watched it. People that go, I just wanted to say what I wanted to say, and it destroys people. And so the stakes are high. Like, for me, like, just in case you weren't sure, there's a high expectation on me as someone who is teaching you, doing my best to teach you what God says. And there's an expectation that I absolutely, a weight that I feel that is good and healthy and a responsibility to do that faithfully and to the best of my ability. To ensure that I am not reading things through my own filter, but instead going, God, what are you saying? And ensuring that that is not just ideas that I have by myself, but instead that there is generations of brilliant, beautiful, faithful followers of Jesus that have gone before and seen what I see. That there is this responsibility for us. And, and there is a responsibility and a heaviness that I feel to, to teach the things that are difficult and hard. And I don't look at that and go, man, I'm so excited. But instead I go, God, I just, I wanna say all the things that you wanna say because you want to form your people to be your people. And I don't want any area of our life to be untouched by his message and the richness of the message of Jesus. And notice here Peter's final words in verse 17. And he's saying this to Christians, so I'll say this to you. You already know these things. For many of us, we know these things. Dear friends, So, be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, Peter is offering, he's offering a warning be on guard. Know the truth so that you can recognize the lies. Because if you twist scripture, You'll lose your secure footing. I've seen it. People that go, I'm solid. I know what I think and I believe. And then suddenly you go, did did the Bible really say? Yes. More than likely it did. And you're like, oh, you know what? I don't want it to say that. So I'm just going to remove some of this and this authority. And I'm going to pick and choose whatever I want it to say. And then you lose your secure footing. My responsibility is to do my best to teach you the truth, to tell you what the Bible actually says, to do my best to to point out who God is, who Jesus is, and what, what great, beautiful, and rich message we have, and then invite you to respond and grow. I can't grow for you. I can't walk with you in every single step. The beautiful thing is the Holy Spirit does as we follow the way of Jesus And we are invited to choose growth or not. And it is a choice. Is my posture toward growing or not? Do I want to listen or not? Do I want to read something that is difficult and wrestle with it or just pretend it doesn't exist? We can choose growth or not. And the reality is we can't choose the circumstances in our life, but we can always choose growth. We can always choose this this posture of growing. Whatever we are going through, difficulties or or discomfort or even doubt, we can choose growth. We can choose to say, I will not remain the same, and there will be things that I'll learn that I am off, but I am continually fixing my eyes on Jesus because I wanna grow, I wanna become more like him, and I wanna be around other people that want me and want to become more like him. I'm gonna choose growth. And it's a lot easier to choose growth when you're in a community of people that are choosing growth. It's a lot easier to bail on growth when you have other people that go, who cares? You know, you're good the way you are. Really? I'm not good the way I am. I have areas in my life that need to be conformed to the image of Jesus, and so do you. And I wanna spend the rest of my life closing the gap. And that's the invitation for us to grow, to become more and more like Jesus, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did, to pattern our lives, to apprentice under him in the way of Jesus, in contrast to the way of the world. And we invite Jesus to tell us who we are, who we belong to, and how to live Jesus has to become our ultimate authority in all things because if we are our own authority, we will go astray. First and foremost, we need to become apprentices of the way of Jesus. And then we need to take Jesus' word seriously as we seek to obey his commands to invite others to do the same. We want to be a community of growth. We want to become more and more like Jesus. And like our value says, at the very end, it means that we will not avoid difficult conversations. We love each other enough to have difficult conversations with each other as we commit to grow. None of us should be excited about those, but we should be willing to have conversations with people to help each other to grow. We need to become a community that holds each other in this pattern and value of growth. So I wanna, I wanna do two things. I wanna just cause you to reflect for a moment because I think reflection leads towards action. And I want you to think for a moment first. I want you to reflect and, and, and honestly say, am I posturing myself to grow? Am I in this position where I am willing to grow, even in areas I would rather avoid to become more like Jesus? And just as a challenge, ask your spouse, or your best friend, or someone that knows you well, and see if your answers are the same. Because sometimes you go, yeah, I'm willing to grow. (laughs) And then our friends are like, yeah, really? So how come you're so defensive about this thing? you go, cause, I don't don't know, I'm fine. You're like, okay, yeah, ding, 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 ding. (laughs) And so for us to honestly ask ourselves, am I posturing ourselves to grow? Now in that, can I just let you off the hook this is not about you going, this week, I'm gonna study scripture for 37 hours, read the Bible for, I'm not gonna sleep because I'm gonna read it from start to finish and I'm gonna read numbers 10 times. <laughs> like, that is not what I am saying. What I am saying is every single day you're taking steps towards, to, towards step, steps to grow to be more like Jesus. Every single day, small steps. Small and consistent steps. Because can I just tell you, consistency trumps intensity every single time. So if you go, I'm gonna do everything, you'll do nothing, we know this, welcome to New Year's resolutions. But if you say each day, each day, what if you start each day, and I've, I've increasingly been doing this where you go, God, do what you wanna do in me. Use me in whatever way you want to use me. What if you start like that? What if you read scripture every single day and go, God, speak to me. Small steps, that posture of growth, it reflects in our life. I want us at the end of 2023 to look back and go, wow, how, how did that happen? How did I become like this? Because compound interest over time has significant impact in our lives spiritually. So am I posturing myself to grow? And the second, to honestly reflect who am I surrounding myself with? Am I around people that are actually encouraging me to grow? Am I around people that are encouraging me to grow and to be more like Jesus? Or we all know those people that help us and we all know those people that don't. And for us, I'm not suggesting that you say, screw you! and you live like, um, um, like you live in the desert by yourself, and you're like, I'm just avoiding everyone, I am suggesting to you that the people that you surround yourself most have the most significant impact on you make sure they're the right people. Make sure you're around people that go, that when you do dysfunctional things, because we all do, that they don't just go, oh yeah, dang. They go, hey, whoa, 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 time out. Hey, uh, what's that about? You go, Nothing. We want people that are willing to say, hey, is that the way of Jesus? Is that how Jesus would respond? Is that what Jesus says? That's Those two things I want you to reflect on and I'd love for you to reflect this week. And the next, I wanna give you some possible next steps. Now, there. are They're big ones because it connects to who we're surrounding ourselves with. In our church, we have things called co-groups. And our co-groups are we take our larger gatherings and we split them up into smaller smaller gatherings and we meet in homes through the week. And for most of the co-groups, what we do is we unpack what we are learning on Sundays and more than just unpack with more information, we start to go, what am I going to do with this? And then we share with each other, here's how I'm going to take steps, and we hold each other accountable to do that. So we create this posture of expecting growth, but also supporting growth in our co-groups. And so maybe you're in the room and you're not actually part of a co-group, or maybe you were part of a co-group, but you never were consistent along. And I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider, is this the season that you need to join a co-group? We have co-groups that are on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and uh, we'll have information showing up on the website soon. Um, but if you wanna, if you recognize, I wanna join a co group. We'd love to help you to do so. We're gonna be launching and relaunching them kind of through the next few weeks. We'd love to encourage you to, to grow. But the first one that I wanna, uh, the the one that I wanna highlight is that of Alpha, because maybe maybe you're new to faith. Maybe this is new to you, or more likely. Maybe you have some people in your life around you that don't yet know Jesus, but have questions. And they're like, how do I know that God's real? How do I trust any of this stuff? What do you believe? Like all those big life questions. And rather than just saying, I don't know, hopefully you get those answers on Google. Instead, we have something called Alpha, where we take, uh, I think it's eight to 10 weeks. And we spend time, Lee and I are hosting it this semester. We hosted it last semester, taking time in our living room to eat together, to watch videos, and then to have discussions. And we take off our hat as as we have all the answers and instead we help guide. And we have conversations. And so maybe the invitation for you is to join Alpha, maybe the invitation for you is to invite some people to Alpha. And I would just even challenge you more so than just inviting, hey, you should go to Alpha, should bring them. Because there's something significant about walking with someone who then all of a sudden goes, I think God's real. And you go, yeah, and they're like, I wanna follow him. Will you help me? That's way better than just saying, hey, you should go to this program, it'll fix all your problems. We wanna create a relational environment where we see people discover Jesus and and find transformation in him. And so we're gonna be launching Alpha February 2nd on Thursday nights. And then finally, we have one other co-group and it will be, it's Thursday nights, right, Jeff? Thursday nights. And we're calling it our, the Healthy Soul Co-Group. Now, I think that's fairly straightforward, but let me just unpack it briefly. If you're not doing well, like there's some stuff, maybe there's some trauma in your past, or maybe there's some stuff that's coming up now, or you just find, I'm not coping well. I got some wounding. We want to help. We want to walk with you. And Jeff and Jody are spectacular. Jody opened up the service at at helping people to get to the root of that and then seeking God's healing through that, to begin that process of restoration towards wholeness. And so maybe you're in the room and you go, I need to join the Healthy Soul co-group or maybe you know someone that is in that boat and maybe prayerfully you can invite them into that. I wanna invite you to take Steps towards growth. Let's not be the kind of community that is content to stay where we are. The stakes are high and the opportunities are great. I want to invite the worship team up and I I want to pray for us. God, I am so grateful. I'm grateful that you invite us to reflect, I'm grateful that you speak to us. I'm grateful that you are at work in our lives. I pray that there would be a renewed commitment to time with you, to reading your words, to to spending time praying with you, being present with you, being still and silent in your presence. God, I pray that you would ignite something in us, that you would align us, not to our own ideas, but align us to the way of your son, Jesus, kingdom living, God, help us to become people who obey you and invite and challenge and teach others to do the same. Help us to be a community that teaches and counsels each other with all the wisdom you give us. God, help us to be the kind of community that aligns our lives with your words so that we don't slip into destruction. God, form in us what we cannot do by ourselves. God, we partner with you. We bring our effort and believe that you can take that effort and breathe on it and empower it by your Holy Spirit to see transformation in our lives. God, disrupt what needs to be disrupted. Speak truth over the lies that we believe. God, we need you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, Find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you Sunday.